We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. And welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. This is episode 274 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso and they will speak of it in history books. They will speak of it uh, on parade day. They will speak of it once we celebrate mm. the eventual triumph of this team. Herb Brooks, the Gipper, any given Sunday. Joe Musso on Moose and Runes podcast episode hmm. two seventy one. I think that I think that that's sort of the order of operations. Those yep, are that's this, it. yeah some of the some of the greatest speeches in the history of sports, uh, and perhaps one that launched ten thousand ships here on the Moose yep. and Runes podcast that's, that's as the Bears look to have set their coordinates behind their quarterback. A lot to be excited about. Um, so much can change in a short amount of time. First and foremost, Matt Rooney, how are you? How are we feeling? How's doing life, great. How's life with a franchise quarterback? It's I've never felt this way before. Yes, we have. No, 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 no. no. Yes, yes, we have. With Jay, oh, I was, I was getting there. Stop I was it. getting there. Stop it. There were moments. Getting... There were there were weeks. There were windows where we had the same conversation about Mitch. That's why I guard a part mm. of my heart. When there were there was about a six week stretch there where he's the guy. He's doing it. Um, the six touchdown performance against Tampa Bay. Look at what we have. So next, next year's backup quarterback, Mr. So just, just as quickly as Bring things, I'd love that just as quickly as things can, um, I guess, progress. We can also say that we can turn heel and regress. So let's just enjoy what's happening while it's happening. A lot to get to here as it comes and pertains to Uno. Uh, but Matt, how are you? I'm doing lovely. And I, I'm going to get, I, I guess, was kind of going to get into something along the lines of that. I like, I feel like the last, like last year, especially, but the last two years we talked about how not redundant this podcast became like during bear season, <laughs> but kind of like it's the same thing every week. Like they either scrape by a bad team or they look out, outclassed and outcoached by a good team. It, we're kind of getting to the point where it's like a little, like bears talk is a little bit redundant, but in a really good way, because it's going kind of exactly like we'd hoped. I yes. mean, we, our quarterback is proving to be the guy of the future, the guy that they're going to build around and quite frankly, already started to with, with trading for a chase Claypool. And they, unf- I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to say it, keep losing. Um, because they just don't really have the dudes right now. And that's okay because we're starting to see the flat. We're not starting to see the flashes. We're seeing the flashes from Justin, yeah. we're seeing records from Justin, but you, you brought up the Mitch compare, not that I don't know. I don't want to say Mitch comparison, but you mentioned Mitch. The difference there was like, like the six touchdown game versus Tampa. Like Mitch had the backing of a top five defense that, you know, limited mm. possessions took the ball back all the time. Justin had had to go possession for possession with, Maybe one of the top five most explosive offenses in football. Yeah. Fields had to go five, you know, go go score for score with them for a long time. Top and three, he, top he, yeah. He did it. Like he did it. He yeah. went score for score for them even on the last drive. I mean, obviously he they didn't go down and score, but there's a pass interference that should have been called, and then there's a ball that goes right through St. Brown's hands. Like he did what he could. <laughs> he did what he had to do to try to get the team down the field. The outside factors didn't allow him to, but. He's doing every. He's he's putting the team on his back. Yeah, and like I think putting the team on his back might be um, discrediting the the work of others, specifically Luke Getze here and this offensive staff that has Fair. put together a game 
plan that not only leans into Justin's strengths, but it's also aware of where it's deficient. Like we don't have the guys who can just win one-on-one outside. So you're seeing a lot of mesh. You're seeing a lot of scheme. You're seeing a lot of pre-snap stuff. I Mm -hmm. love the way that this offense looks from the second that they get to the line to their execution of the play. I want to talk uh, talk about a couple things specifically here, but accolades do continue to roll in uh, shortly before the recording of, the of this week. podcast. Justin Fields, your NFC Offensive Player of the Week, well-deserved 17-28 uh, against Miami here. Three touchdowns, uh, 15 carries for another buck 78, a touchdown on the ground, the 61-yard, I mean, just I tour to force of athleticism. I want to I want to just kind of roll this out here Matt too because he's the first player I believe in NFL history to score three touchdowns while throwing no interceptions and run for more than 150 yeah. yards like he's doing things that have never been done before 178 yards so most rushing yards in a regular season game ever by a quarterback it's 3 yards shy of Colin Kaepernick's record which he set in the playoffs I believe was 181 but like it's it's a level of effectiveness on the ground running the ball that we haven't seen in a very long time in the NFL I mean the Harkins back to obviously Cam Newton, Colin Kaepernick, uh, these guys in the game today that can run it well, but he's, he's so decisive in the run. And yes, you know, we have to be careful that he's not going one read and run and it doesn't seem like that, but when he decides to go, he goes. And that's what led to that 61 yard touchdown Um, steps up in the pocket. Eyes are downfield. That pump fake was not some schoolyard shit. Like he was looking to throw the football, but so quickly he's able to reroute re I mean, flip his hips, get downfield. And we talked about it last week. His speed is so effortless and his strides are so long that he can make two guys miss. And it's that I almost hesitate because it's a different type of speed, obviously. But like, remember when you were, you could see the field when Devin had the ball, when Devin Hester had the ball and you knew it was a touchdown before he was behind the defense, even Mm -hmm. because you knew like, that's what that 60, I, I'm in the newsroom. After he pumped and made those first two guys miss, I go, he's gone. And he was. He still had two guys out in front of him. He was gone. Um, He's playing with a lot of confidence. I I want you to pick out your favorite play from Justin Fields and we can kind of dissect a couple things. What was your favorite play by Justin? Was it the – I mean, obviously the 61-yard run run was was fantastic. But beyond that, like what was your favorite thing that you saw? There were uh, tied for two because they are two throws that I – one was a – one was a throw throw. One was a passing play that, that the play action that he sold on the rollout right to Cole Komet for Komet's first touchdown and oh, shout out Cole, Cole like, Komet, a team that like actually sugar like, foot kind of like it was down. Yeah. Play he fake. Perfectly yeah. hit the ball. Everybody bought into it. And like, that's the type of selling that you have to do to make those things work. And if you do, they're going to work all the time. And once teams stop respecting it, then the bears run the ball well enough where they can kick your ass in the run too. Before, before but, you get to your next one, sure. before you get to your next one, I saw that described, I was watching like a cut up one of these quarterback gurus or whatever. Yeah. I saw that described as Aaron Rodgers' footwork and play fake. Like that's Luke Getzey teaching something to Justin Fields and him implementing it. Like you've seen that little one, two hop step, bald hand play fake, stay there for a half second, freeze the end just long enough. Great footwork out, put the ball on the money. That's like, I know it looks a lot different because it's six foot four, 235 pounds doing it, but that's Aaron Rodgers' footwork right there. I was very excited to see that. 
Yeah, and then for me too it was the the second was the throw to Mooney. Um, mm-hmm. Had uh, Braxton Jones, I still like not his best game, and that's a tough matchup for them. Dolphin for him. Dolphins have two very good edge rushers in Bradley Chubb now, and then uh, Mel- Melvin Ingram. I always want to say Brandon Ingram. He's a basketball mm-hmm. player. Melvin Ingram both both played very well. That was a, it was not a very good game for Braxton Jones. He got bullied a little bit up front, and I think. For him, it's going to be about putting on size and some strength in the offseason, but that's something we'll get to. Smith or Jones kind of got beat. Fields had a uh, had a man in his face. I think it was Ingram, and he just placed one perfectly over Xavier Howard, dropped it in a bucket to Darnell Mooney. I was watching one of those. I, I love watching these Twitter breakdowns that you know from film gurus, whether it's Baldinger, whether it's Emmanuel Acho, who's pretty good at him too. But they, the Dolphins, the, part of that play was made because the Dolphins had to spy. There was a linebacker who was spying, which meant Howard had to play inside as opposed to outside. Fields was able to read that. He saw Mooney get the outs- get the beat on the outside So Howard, because Howard wasn't there. So he was forced to play inside and just dropped it perfectly in a bucket with a defensive end bearing down right in his face. And I thought it's, those throws he hasn't always made so far throughout his Bears tenure, and he's starting uh-huh. to make those drop in a bucket, put it exactly where you need to throws. The last few weeks that you know we've been hoping that he'd kind of progress into making so he's throwing he's showing he is a passer as well and that's why i think those two are my favorite two plays for different reasons but both showing his growth in the passing game yeah and that one's up there for me as well the throw to mooney mooney winning outside um going up and high pointing that ball uh, not an easy throw while it was on the no. money out into space mooney with the body control in the air and then uh surviving the ground as the rule book reads but i, hate I think I think it was that um, I think it was that entire series of plays, because if you go back and look at the box score, that play is coming out of the two minute warning. So, again, time to design, time to call a play coming out of that stoppage with a nuanced look to the end zone. Like that's the type of confidence and play calling and execution that you're wanting to see out of this offense. Mm-hmm. If you look at that play design. Chase Claypool didn't show up on the box score a whole lot. They obviously got him some looks, wanted him to touch the ball, feel a part of this offense. But that is that is Chase Claypool just affecting the game with his size, the way we talked about when he was acquired. He's the two receiver on the line, and he runs like a skinny post. Let me attract as many guys as I can. I know I'm not getting the ball, but like affect the play, get a guy open in Darnell Mooney. If you go back and look at it, it's exactly what we're looking for out of Chase Claypool, extending the field, creating space and route concepts, uh, and Mooney making that play. But what I loved, not just that play, but the play going into the two-minute warning. It was a very nondescript two-yard gain, but I, like, from a design standpoint, I gasped because I had to, I had to like, blink, f- like, ten times because I thought I was watching the 49ers. I don't know if you remember this play, Matt, but it was pre-snap, um, a reset into a motion into fields, play fake, showing run left, flipping back to Mooney in motion coming right. It didn't, it didn't lead to a whole lot, but the action that it showed the defense froze everybody. And again, we talk about putting the defense in conflict. The more times you do that, think of it as body blows from a fighter. The more times you do that, the more hesitant and the less, um, the less unbridled, the less natural they are in the way that they're reacting to this quarterback that can beat you so many ways. They're patting their feet. They're getting stuck in conflict and it's opening other things up. Um, I want you to go back and look at that one because if you're not remembering it, it was 
very nondescript in, in the outcome, but pre-snap and execution. I was like, that's, that's not something that was in the Chicago Bears playbook. Like, if you wanted one of those looks, it was some lazy end-around handoff, which we saw to Claypool too, but some lazy and to come at. But we saw, like, there's some there's some wrinkles and layers to Getty's yeah. offense that we're getting to now that they are executing with a little bit more confidence. All of that being said, 35-32, the Bears do lose this football game. Um, we're really testing this whole idea of no moral victories because – I walk away from this game I'm not, about that was a just, just about as good as I have about the Chicago Bears since 2018, uh, and it was in a loss. Yeah, I was texting friend of the pod afterwards, Matt Siegert, that like we're watching the game, or not together, we're both texting during the game, and when that ball went through St. Brown's hands and they didn't get the pass interference call, I was like, I'm going to be really pissed off for about an hour and then I'm going to start scrolling through Twitter again and see Justin Fields plays and highlights and breakdowns. And I'm going to be totally over it. And I'm totally over it. It would have been cool if you led them down the field and they won on a, you know, they forced overtime or scored a touchdown on one. Absolutely. That would have been very cool. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, they lost a game. They probably deserve to lose because they lost a special teams battle block, letting up that block punt. Justin Fields did absolutely nothing wrong that I can think of in that game. And they're going to have a chance to beat some bad teams down the road that you know, this year where, where they'll still get a taste of winning. But long story short, this took them from uh, 14th, uh, 14th overall pick to seventh in the first round. So I, it sucks saying that I want the bear that, you know, it's okay when the bears lose, but like this year, it's okay when the bears lose next year, it's not, but this year it's kind of by design. And that has to be a little bit frustrating, but we're just, we're seeing the flashes that we wanted to see. And we're seeing a quarterback take, What's gone from bad playmakers to, I would say, probably average-ish playmakers now with Mooney mm-hmm. and Claypool and Komet emerging, decent running. Like, it's not a bare cupboard, but it's an average cupboard, and he's making them extraordinary. Uh, to your previous point about wins and losses, the road ahead goes Lions, Falcons, Jets, Packers, Eagles, Bills, Lions, Vikings. Um I see the next four, I see us going three and one, truthfully. Like, I think we beat the Lions. I think we beat the Falcons. Maybe we go on the road and lose there in Atlanta. That would surprise mm-hmm. me. Jets is a tough game with that defense, but it'll be a good test for our offense. I think we beat the Packers, and then it's a tough I'll never say I think we beat the Packers. I do. I'm <laughs> right there. Do That's like I've watched enough Packers football. I, it's it, We it was, need to. This is, this is a big, that'll be a big moment in the fu- yeah. to start the final quarter of the season to say, hey, you're headed the wrong direction. We're headed the right direction. See you in the winner's circle. Neither team's mm-hmm. going to be in the playoffs, but I think that's a big moment to say going into next year, depending what your decision is this offseason, we'll see you soon, 12. Yeah, um, we'll, that's we'll, a big we'll moment. See for, we'll see you soon. Big moment for I think that's a, that would... that's a big football game there at home in Chicago. But then after that, you do get into the Eagles, the Bills, uh, you get another one with the Vikings in Detroit and then the Vikings. So uh, three of the final four football games, that final month of this season will truly test tough. where this Bears football team is. So I think you see some wins here over the next month and it gets tough on the way home. But back to 500 the rest of the way would be a very good finish to this. If, if they go four and four the rest of the way, I think that's what would, they, we're, they we're not. We're not going to be we're not that we're too good to be picking second overall and getting Agreed. Will Anderson. It's just not going to happen um, yeah. unless we want to package a bunch of picks and move up to go get him. But I think no. there's too much to build in terms of no. needs on this. We're roster. not, we're not still, there yet. Yeah. 
still in the threat weapon positions on the outside and obviously on the defense. I don't really, really want to talk about the defense um, because they've been put in a position and that's, that's understandable. You'd love to see some of these guys, the kid from uh, Wisconsin, who's not tasked with anchoring the middle of the defense. Um, some of the young pass rushers, the Gordons, the Briskers, you want to see growth here over the next couple months, but um, they've been put in a situation where, yeah all of their pop, all of their firepower is gone, and they're probably going to give up three to five touchdowns a game, and that's just who the Bears' defense is right now. Um, I do want to talk... Especially that matchup. That was, I mean, that was sending them to the Wolves pretty much. A couple things here, a little hog talk. Thought the offensive line looked really good. Um, Yes, Fields had to escape and make them look better, but um, in in watching a couple of these cut-ups, they're, you know, they're getting off their double teams. They're... Uh, taking care of the speed rushers off the edge. It's better than it's looked before. It's progress. So I was very happy with the offensive line and sort of as an extension of that, I wanted to ask you like, why now are we seeing the growth of a guy in Cole Komet who we knew had this type of ability, who we hoped would have this type of impact. I mean, five receptions for 41 yards is nothing to write home about, but two of those to the end zone. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, looking a little bit more sure of himself, both in route concepts and catching the football and run after catch. Like, why do you think we're seeing this growth in Cole Komet right now? Well, one, it's a coaching staff that believes in him. And Mm -hmm. for, for whatever reason, Matt Nagy and that staff felt married to the concept of shoehorning Jimmy Graham in as their wide receiver type tight end and didn't really know how to use a second tight end, which was a, a decision in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, I mean, early on, uh, not even early on, up until kind of really the Patriots game, you saw Cole Komet primarily featured as a blocker in the offense. He was a lot of times used as, you know, an extra tackle, an extra guy staying in a pass pro because he was very good at it. He still is very good at blocking. He's emerging though now i think because the offensive line is taking steps you got back cody whitehair next week which, which kind of shores up the line riley reef has been much more of a sure thing at right tackle than larry, larry borum has and i think now that they are a little bit more certain in their offensive line that they're a little bit more uh, established in the play action that that that, that that's kind of working i think you're seeing them build off you know using cole as a blocker and then scraping up over the top and going on these drag routes I, I think his ability to block and how good he was at was at it early on is now helping him in the past game because people have seen him as a blocker he's been a proven blocker now they're not really sure what to expect from him so i think he's been absolutely fantastic the last few weeks and i think now you're seeing because he's been so good in the block as a blocker it's starting to help him as a receiver as well yeah i i just have loved watching offensive progress it comes at Mm -hmm. the um expense of a defensive regression but like just like, you know, we all have to play armchair GM here around the trade deadline and here moving forward and building this football team with a hundred million dollars in cap space mm-hmm. and the picks that we have and some of the needs that we're going to have to address. Um, I just think it's a lot easier to build a defense rounds two through seven than yep. it is to build an offense. And that's why I love the clay cool plate. Excuse me. The clay pool deal. There you go. Thank you. You're still getting to know the guy, you know, um, the Claypool deal, that's why I love it. I think that's why when you look at the wide receiver class uh, of free agents this offseason and how thin it is, like Mike Williams is kind yeah, of like the biggest that name was there. Their, this was their free agent pickup at receipt. Not all, their big free agent. There might be, you know, 
a guy that replaces a Dante Pettis or an EQ St. Brown or something, but like that, that was their yeah, big and move. Like when, you're talking about replacing, when you're talking about replacing an equanimity of St. Brown, that last play offensively is why yeah. it's not replacing an equanimity of St. Brown. It's no. elevating the floor of your receivers. That mm-hmm. guy should not be the look on the must get fourth down play. And mm-hmm. I understand he is because he's wide receiver number two, and that was the look that was open, or wide receiver number three now with Claypool here. But, like, that's why the deficit of talent is still an issue. That's why you're not ready to win. That's why you're not ready to execute is because your quarterback steps up in the pocket, escapes right, gets his hips downfield, puts a ball on the freaking money right while being money. pressured in his hands, Justin Fields, in a flow state, feeling himself, doesn't worry about guiding one out there. Absolutely lets one rip to space on the money. The receiver's not good enough to be there. Plain and simple. That guy is not good enough to be there in that moment. So that's where that's what the Bears still do have to elevate from a roster standpoint. And um, I, I just think we there's so much reason to be excited. And you can't say that about the Bears and the offense specifically uh, very much throughout our lifetime. So let's enjoy these weeks, you know, Matt, because like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it comes and it goes. And there's going to be weeks, probably this season, most definitely this season, where we're being critical of Justin Fields because he had one touchdown, two interceptions and a fumble. That's that's still possible. That's still likely with the game that he plays. But let's yeah. enjoy these moments when they come and let's really um, give credit where credit is due on this coaching staff on this roster and and specifically here to the quarterback who's playing with with pieces around him that leave him at a talent deficit and still he's showing growth he's showing excitement and it's amazing it's amazing how that body language changes not just with him but with this entire everybody, offense everybody when, around when, when the ball starts rolling downhill a little bit yeah like the confidence you see like the celebrations and stuff when Cole Komet catches some what catches a you know a rollout or the the jet sweeps you talked about the jet sweeps and the motions when you have the quarterback that, that Justin Fields is that can run himself and you're already spying him, and then you have a team that you know can run those jet sweeps actually fairly effectively, they've been pretty good at it. Not like busted big plays, but you know effectively an extension of their run game. You're talking about earlier. It's just another added aspect for the defense to have to think about more movement. They have to account for, and that just opens even more things up. And is the offensive cupboard still a little bare? Yeah, but it's amazing how much having this playmaker at quarterback kind of opens things up and lets you see what you really have offensively. It's not as bad as we thought. It's not going to be the total and complete rebuild of an offensive line, rebuild of a wide receiver room. The the the, Col- the Claypool deal kind of expedited that process to the point where you, you have two pretty good receivers now, and if you don't get the big fish next summer or what uh, this offseason, because it's for whatever reason it's not there, or the trade's not there, or the, the free agent isn't there, which is obviously not this year, that's okay. You can add some, some better pieces in your depth, and you're okay there. You Actually, you're in a spot where – you really just kind of need to maybe draft a center on a third or a fourth round pick that you like and go out and sign a tackle. It's not a rebuild entirely of an offensive line. So Were you guys, the progress we've seen elsewhere from fields has helped us with the progress we've seen elsewhere. Were you guys a cupboard family? Is that something like, like, Hey, what do we have in the cupboard? 
Is that like cabinet? A, cabinet was the word. Cabinet, cabinet yeah. or pantry? pantry? Like every pantry? Talking, yeah, yeah. No, there was no there was no cupboards. We yeah. weren't a cupboard fan. Cupboard cupboard makes me feel like we're like in the woods and like we're running out of like yeah. natural gas. Like check the cupboard. What sort of rations do we have? Yeah, we weren't mm-hmm. a cupboard family. Um, you know that's the hard hitting stuff that you get here on the Moose and Runes podcast. We do episode two seventy four. Matt, you got anything else on the Bears here before we run down uh, what was a wild week in Week Nine across the NFL? just fun. I'm having fun. Fun is good. As fun as I've had watching Bears football in a long time. You know who's having fun? The Philadelphia Eagles, who are now 8-0. They take care of the Houston Texans. 14 all at halftime on Thursday night, but big third quarter. Again, cruise control in the fourth, 29-17. You take a look at that Philly schedule. They might be going to go 17-0. They could. I think that um, that might not be the best thing for them. And here we get into these conversations like, oh, do they need the loss? I'm not there yet, but um, they're sort of, I think they're aspirational from a Bears fan standpoint. Not just that our quarterbacks share similar skill sets, but like that wasn't a good roster, a good team like 24 hours ago. And you have a decent end to the season. You have a great draft. You acquire a big name wide receiver in free agency. And here you are the best team in the NFL, arguably. I think that they're very aspirational in what the Bears could do, especially like what that offense could look like. But in terms of what they're doing this season, Jalen Hurts, you got to give the man his flowers. He's now right around the favorite. Uh, I believe Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and Pat Mahomes all in that two and a half to one range to win MVP. And I think Hertz is finally starting to uh, be priced properly in that conversation as well. Yeah. Uh, every time I watch the Eagles, uh, it's really, I can't help but think about the Bears and hope that that is like, that's the blueprint. That's the path and follow. Similar to the Dolphins too, but we saw in how they added receivers and, you know, used pick, used high picks to maximize, you know, the amount of assets they can add to their roster. And it's paying off for the Eagles. And I really hope sometime in the near future it pays off for us in the same way, because as good as Jalen Hurts has been, and he's been very good, Justin Fields has a higher ceiling than Jalen Hurts. And if they can, if they can follow that path and add the same type of pieces around that Jalen Hurts has had added around him, the Bears can be scary good. Uh, we got the Los Angeles Chargers and the Atlanta Falcons. Chargers, like... I don't know what to say about them. Five and three, but not a good football team. I maintain, and you're going to see it this weekend. You're five and three. The 49ers are four and four. And the 49ers are seven-point favorite. The seven-point favorite's probably going to be closer to seven and a half round kick. You're probably going to see it there soon. I don't believe in LA. They squeak by Atlanta here on a game winner, 20 to 17. Um, This is like Brandon Staley's job being saved because how do you fire a five and three coach? Um, I don't know. I just think they're they're an absolute waste of talent. You got a couple wide receivers, a clunky guy in Mike Williams, and a guy who can't get out of his own way in terms of soft tissue inju- injuries and Keenan Allen. Um, yeah. The quarterback is supposed to be the best in the world, and I believe that he can be. But uh, I just think it's I just think it's a, a situation right now where the record does not reflect who they are. And by the end of the season, I think we'll see who they actually are. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's it just seems like kind of the same old Chargers that they have this high ceiling, they have this quarterback who can be really good, and they're just never all on the same page at the same time, and they can't really seem to put it all together. They can't stay healthy. They can't have a coach that, you know, they can really buy into and believe in. It's weird how quickly you know, the Brandon Staley narrative has kind of flipped, but, you know, the offense is just kind of boring and unimaginative, and I know they're banged up, but, like, 
you can do a lot of things with Justin Herbert that they just really seem resigned to Austin Eckler and checkdowns, and that's not quite as fun when you have a quarterback that can throw the ball like Herbert can. So I, I don't really know what's going on there. Um, I hope that they can get healthy and figure something out late because when they're good, they're a lot of fun to watch, but it's it's been a disappointment, and it's weird to say that after a win, but that's just the case. Cincinnati 42, Carolina 21. Uh, Carolina, still not a good football team. They turned no. back to Baker Mayfield because uh, sure. PJ, PJ Walker uh, also not good at football. Mm-hmm. Um, am I, it's PJ Walker, right? PJ Walker, yeah, he's PJ also Walker. Yeah, I don't that's know what, that's Malik Willis. The, 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 uh, yeah, and they're, no, the head coach, the interim last, the interim uh, oh, coach uh, is Steve Wilkes. Wilkes. Steve Wilkes. Wilkes. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of Wilkes, Willis's uh, yeah. things going on, moving pieces here. The big moving piece in this one was uh, Joe Mixon scoring five times, I believe four in the first half, four rushing, one receiving. Um, getting close to that Gale Sayers six number, that Alvin Kamara six number, but just a. Uh, I think interesting to see Cincinnati say, okay, we lost our biggest receiving piece. It's going to be difficult in the pass game. Let's see how hard we can run it down your throat. And they're good at that too. This offensive line, I think, gained a lot of um, belief in itself. Just having a road grade downhill where they are struggling in pass pro a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad that they approached that this w- the, the, this game this way because when you have a struggling offensive line, whether it's in pass pro or run block, and you have an opportunity in a defense like Carolina or team like Carolina, it's not that good to let let the let the hogs eat a little bit it can do wonders for their confidence in the past game I mean, you've seen what the bears offensive line has turned into with after their success and you know running the football they've gotten a little bit better in pass row because that confidence is there and i think the Bengals offensive line got a whole lot of confidence in this one now is it going to be great the rest of the season no probably not it's still going to have their games where joe burrow get, gets sacked a few times here and there but i thought this was a really big step for their offensive line and just a very efficient game from Joe Burrow. I, the, the Bengals are fun to watch, yeah. and they're going to be a team that will probably sneak into the playoffs, and will nobody will want to face because they are capable of games like they're, they're capable of games like the Browns game too. But they are capable of efforts like this on any given week. Like they were, they were sneaky last year representing the AFC, and I think because it's Cincinnati, that like we're never going to feel like that's the team. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe we will. Maybe that roster and that team gets so good under Joe Burrow that we do feel that way eventually. But, like, they're going to feel sneaky for a really long time, I feel like. Yeah. And um, maybe that's a, a good opportunity from a gambling standpoint. Maybe that's a good opportunity for Joe Burrow to just kind of be um, one of the best in the world and not recognized for it for a little while. I don't know. I, I just liked seeing them effective in the run game. It showed a different side of that team that maybe we hadn't seen as readily in the past. Uh, one thing that we haven't seen in the past that we're getting to see <laughs> over the last month and a half is Green Bay struggling. Green Bay uh, on really? the road, they lose to Detroit 15-9, to a Detroit defense that's given up points like it's going out of style this season, and Green Bay can't get more than one touchdown. They can't get to the end zone. Rodgers can't find receivers. He's freaking out after every drive. He's lost five straight, longest losing streak of his career. Um couldn't happen to a better guy, couldn't happen yeah. to a better team, couldn't tell you, um, couldn't raise my hand and say, told you so. And now I've been, I guess I've been uh, a little early on on the obituary here in years past, but it surely feels like they are done chained uh, here in week nine. If not in week nine, week 10, Dallas coming to town, you lose a six straight. 
it's over. And I'm not talking about the season. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, this whole era. It's over. It's wild how quick. Like, I think we all predicted that their offense would struggle this year and that Rodgers would have some difficulty adapting to, new, to a lack of playmakers. But, you know, they'd still probably win the division and probably be a 10 or 11 win team and figure it out. I don't think I ever saw it get this bad, but it, I mean, I sound like a broken record on this. You look at their past, their play splits. Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 43 times. They ran the ball 25. Like, that's not your recipe for success. And I don't know if it's Matt LaFleur that gets bored with running the ball when it's not working or not immediately working, or if it's Aaron Rodgers or what's going on or who's calling all the plays or if Rodgers is changing things up the line, do what he wants. But they just, nobody seems to be on the same page and they seem to have no interest in doing what it takes to make that offense successful. It's like, it's, it's wild to me that it's still like, it's, it's very broke and they're taking, making no efforts to try and fix it. And then you hear from you know everybody they're leaking to every media member they could possibly find. Oh, we tried to get all these wide receivers. We really did. We did our best. Yeah. Great. That's awesome. You didn't you get failed. anybody. You failed. You yeah. tried and you failed. Um, I don't know. It's, I can never count Aaron Rodgers out until the bears beat them in week, whatever. If that happens, then I'll do it. But it's just, it's wild to see them down this bad and it, and it's bad. It doesn't seem like it's, it doesn't seem like it's getting better anytime soon because depending on what Aaron Rodgers decides to do, like they're on the hook for a whole bunch of dead cap next year. If he just decides and done. Yeah. I, I think it's just uh, sort of the, the likely outcome in a series of questionable decisions uh, from a front office, from a quarterback standpoint, from uh, the direction of this team and how it was so disjointed and dis- derailed this offseason, mm-hmm. even last year, um, just sort of the whole last dance thing with him and Devontae. It's been pointing this direction, and it's it's so long been what you said. I'll believe it when I see it. I'll give Aaron Rodgers the benefit of the doubt. Well, maybe – Maybe this is it. Maybe we've given him the benefit of the doubt for one year too long. Maybe we've thought he can succeed alone and we're wrong. Maybe we weren't, um, maybe we uh, conflated or maybe we uh, misunderstood what Matt LaFleur is as a head coach when he actually has to coach. Maybe all of these things have been headed this direction and this is just the likely outcome when a quarterback, no matter how talented he is, has no help has no direction and truly isn't a born leader. I don't think anyone would ever uh, accuse Aaron Rodgers of being the rah, rah, come with me guys. Um, and I think that's what this team's lacked, especially in those playoff moments where they failed on championship Sunday um, is maybe they lack a guy that um, knows how to lead a young bunch. And that's really what we're seeing here out of the Packers. You know, it almost reminds me of what we're kind of seeing from LeBron and the Lakers in the last couple of years of his like mm. of his career, where it's like not that necessarily. Oh, Carol, the I love that. It's it's kind of like you know he just wants to like he wants to have things done his way. He wants to play with his buddies. He wants to do it his way, and he's just not going to take no for an answer. Like the Packers overpaid to bring back Randall Cobb. Well, Randall Cobb sucks. He wanted more. Uh, Rogers could have taken a little bit less money to keep. Um, uh, to keep Devontae Adams, but he said, "No, nah, I just I, I need to get paid. I need Who my money." He, they had a t- like, they, what tight end was it? Um, I got to look at the box score here between the. Mm, blah, 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 blah. It was Tanyan or Lewis. Uh, Mercedes Lewis. I didn't know Mercedes Lewis was still in the NFL. Yeah, was that, was, yeah was that he's ninety five years old. He's still one of their tight ends. He's been there forever. Like, That's why he's still there. there. 
Aaron Rodgers finds uh, uh, finds Bubba Franks in a nice yeah, route, like that's, uh, that's but like that's kind of what it's become with him. It's like he just yeah. wants his guys, and he like it's. I get that you're old, and you probably don't enjoy having to bring along new guys, but like that's what this game and like that's what sports kind of are. Like you need to put your you need to put your arm around the younger players and kind of pull them along with you. And if you have no interest in even trying to make it seem like you're doing that, and you just want to play with Randall Cobb, like. This is what's going to happen. And it's the Aaron Rod. I, I don't want to say dug his own grave, but Aaron Rodgers kind of dug his own grave on this one. He, he made his he made his bed and now he's got to lay in it. Uh, he is both in bed and in a grave, according to Matt Rooney. I think that it's going to be a struggle down the stretch here for the Packers, which uh, might be obvious. But um, if anyone can get it turned around, it's 12 and you just don't hear much optimism. Which 12? That's a exactly. later in the week. Um, you, you, you just don't hear much optimism coming out of uh, Packer camp. You know, we all have Packers fans in our lives. And mm-hmm. um, albeit, I hope you're all doing well because I haven't heard much from you in a long time. So we'll see. They're not. Uh, Going to hit a little speed round here as the Green Bay Packers, even when they're bad, uh, offer us a speed bump that always slows us down. The Colts and the Pats, New England 26, Indy 3. Um, Indy... <laughs> Changes quarterbacks to a third stringer who maybe almost didn't make the team. They fire their offensive coordinator. They change their head coach. They hire Jeff Saturday. They lose to New England by 20. Like, whoa, whoa. Uh, I know there's a lot to unpack with the Indianapolis. And I think, and I think maybe we, we give them the, the week. We let them, we, we see what Jeff Saturday looks like in Vegas, uh, a man who has coaching experience at the high school level. I don't know if you saw the Jim winning Rose, record. Like, presser. Winning record. Uh, winning record. Yeah, they did it during Monday Night Football, which, you know, okay, well, shows you exactly you, what they thought. How they for those of you who go. didn't see it, it is maybe the most entertaining thing you'll see all week. So go That's find wild. that Jim Mercer press conference. Talks about making sausage. Doesn't know how to make sausage. Uh, he talks about you ever upper, make a, you ever make sausage. He, talk about quartiles of quartiles. Uh, I, I just prefer if you didn't ask me personal questions. Buffalo, <laughs> uh, New York, New York twenty, Buffalo seventeen. Uh, this is the we have arrived moment here for the New York Jets. Um, especially that defense holding Josh Allen to um, reasonable numbers relative yeah. to what we expect out of Josh Allen. It, it, it showed a human side of Buffalo that we haven't seen uh, very often this season. And uh, we got a press conference coming at about a half hour from the taping of this uh, podcast regarding the elbow health of one it Josh Allen. Okay. So this will be immediately dated upon its release, but uh, hoping for the best there for Josh Allen and my fantasy team. Matt, your thoughts here. Um, I mean, it provided Josh, Josh Allen's healthy. Um, the Bills still need to learn, and they need to learn how to win games when Josh Allen's not at his best. When Josh Allen's mm-hmm. playing well, they are the best team in football, and I'm. It's I mean, maybe the Chiefs are right there or are, are close with them, but like they're the best team in football when Josh Allen's firing on all cylinders. When he's not, you still need to be able to win football games and find ways to win football games. And we'll get to the Sunday Night Football game later, where we had a superstar quarterback. Who, I mean, he put up massive numbers, but like the offense wasn't going as good as it could be. They were getting, you know, kind of stymied by the Titans, and they found a way to win a football game, even though they, you know, were, were trailing late. Like it, the Bills need to figure out that next gear when Josh Allen is not at his best. Um, they are, I think you hit the nail on that there. They are completely reliant on his performance and, uh, if you make things hard on him, take him away in the past game. Like he, he was, he was back to that run first, Josh Allen. Yeah. That worries me. 
Um, and we might be seeing the first kind of uh, kink in that armor where you take a ding and it's going to might cost you a little bit of time here. Minnesota yeah. and Washington, Minnesota 20, Washington 17, uh, 1 p.m. Kirk continues to come through. They didn't look all that impressive in this game, um, but it's another win. What are they, 7-1? and 8-1, have yeah. they had their buy yet? 7-1 and one on the season? 7-1. Um, heading into a big-time matchup this coming week with none other than Buffalo. I believe that is the matchup, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I'm starting to believe, I'm starting to believe in Minnesota. Maybe that they have, like, conference title Sunday type ceiling, but I don't know that I see them representing the conference. Maybe they're, maybe they're, uh, what did I call them last week? They're the Tennessee. The, the, I was just going to say Tennessee. that. I, maybe I think last our analysis years, last week was right. Maybe they're I Tennessee. They're maybe they're last year's Cincinnati. Who knows? Um, but I think that uh, their scheme and Justin Jefferson open, which they were struggling to do maybe weeks three through six there. Um, they're getting the ball back to him. Kirk is uh, not being asked to do all that much and they're winning mm-hmm. football games. I don't know what else to say about uh, a Minnesota team here that leaned away from the run in this one. And I think that's why it was closer than it should have been. Yeah. They're winning football games. Good on them. Like it's, I, I still don't think they're a great football team, but I think they're going to. I think their analysis of calling them the Titans of last year is right. I think they're going to have a chance to be, you know, a one or a two seed in the NFC. Are they the best team in the NFC? Probably not, but it's a thin NFC. And could they make a run? Sure. They're not. They're they're a good football team, and they just keep winning football games. A uh, tale of two halves between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Las Vegas Raiders. You're welcome for this Devante. one, by the way. It was all Devontae all day. Uh, Matt Rooney offering another winning pick, as did I. The Moose and Runes parlay, I believe, has hit back-to-back weeks, maybe three on, consecutive weeks. The, the boys fire. are hot. Uh, we'll get to those uh, week 10 picks in just a moment. But uh, Vegas looked lost there in the second half. They kind of went away from that uh, Devontae-heavy approach, and uh, they are, it appears, dead on arrival, too. They're going to be tough out. They're going to be a tough out because – of their ability to run the ball, their top tier receiver, a, a quarterback who can spread it out. It's just not mm-hmm. equaling wins. And I think a lot of that has to come at the foot of the head coach because nobody's doing less with more in terms yeah. of a roster makeup than, than the Las Vegas Raiders right now, because um, I, I just think they're just so much better than they're showing on Sunday, at least for a 60 minute sample size. And, I mean, they I are, but we jo- saw last year was a lot better. I think that's Josh McDaniel's fault. And last year you saw them galvanized through um, death, destruction, losing teammates, every trial, tribulation you can think of. And Rich Passaccia galvanized that team. You lose your head coach to crazy allegations. Everything changed on the fly. And they won football games and made the playoffs because Rich Passaccia galvanized that group. You're seeing whatever the opposite of that is right now with Josh McDaniels. And I, I don't know how long that leash is. I feel like because nothing has been said or happened yet, he gets the season and he gets into next year. And if it's not great early next year, they make a change. But mm-hmm. man, if there isn't a more deserving coach of the acts right now, it's you got to point him out to me. Josh McDaniels has been terrible. I mean, it's Josh. It's oddly enough, they come in the same division. It's Josh. And they're both first year head coaches. It's probably Josh McDaniels and uh, Nathaniel Hackett, but it's, it's just very, very strange how, that team has taken such a big step back and maybe they did just love Rich Bisaccia and him not being there has changed the vibe in the locker room. But at some point it has to be on the leadership in, of on the roster to change things, but they're just, they're failing. They're, they're, they're failing at just about every turn. And oddly enough, it's an unfortunate tease for what I'm going to be picking in my lock of the week. Um, but uh, it's, it's wild to see it. They're even showing these flashes inside of games where, like, they're up seventeen nothing on the Jaguars. They're up twenty three to nothing on the Cardinals. 
and they lose like they, they just they can't finish football games. I don't really know why that's the case, why they can't yeah. make these second half adjustments. Um, we will see if they can get things turned around. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that there's enough time out there for them to turn it around and sneak into the playoffs, but uh, a lot of football left Seattle and Arizona looking like what we kind of thought they'd look like Seattle 31, Arizona 21, zero urgency out of the Cardinals. Um, slow to start, slow to finish. Ken Walker, slow to start, finish strong, uh, went for 109 yards, got in the end zone, I believe twice in this one. Seattle is, proving that they're not fluky. They're just a good football team, and uh, they beat a lesser football team. Arizona, again, could be uh, could be right for some change there at the coaching position. I just, again, if it stinks and there's reason enough to question it and you got a quarterback who might not be fully invested, like, don't, don't overthink it, you know? Preseason, there were issues. Contract, there were issues. Coaching, there were issues. Like, we just looked the other way because it's an impressive talent at quarterback. If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, um, you might be having duck for dinner. And that, I think that's what Arizona's dealing with right now. Uh, another coach that is as deserving of the axes as anybody here is, is um, Cliff Kingsbury. It's just with all that talent to be doing this little, it's, I don't know how I, Clearly the buy-in is gone. Clearly Kyler Murray doesn't really love playing for him and doesn't agree with a lot of the things that they're doing. And not that Kyler Murray's faultless either because he's, he hasn't been fantastic either. On the other side of things, I mean, shout out to Seattle, man. Like they were being written off as them and the bears were going to be two of the worst teams jostling for a first overall pick with the Texans. And like, look at the, they're, they're fantastic. Geno Smith has revived his career. The young core has kind of bought into Pete Carroll and you got what's his Tyler Lockett last week saying it's amazing what we can do when nobody really cares about who, who gets the credit. That's a shot fired. Um, good on them. They're a very fun football team to watch, and they're a legitimately good football team who is very has a very good chance of making a playoff. I still don't think they win the division. I still think San Francisco takes it, but I agree. They got they got a two game lead on San Francisco. You're doing all you can right now. Uh, L.A. and Tampa in the loser leaves town matchup of the week. And it's a classic Tom versus time, 44 seconds, drive them down the field. All he uh, needed to do is get to the end. Not even that. Uh, I I'm not even making about that. But, like, I they know. didn't look good for 59 minutes of that football game. But Tom pulls a win out of the hat and in many ways saves the season there. Um, yeah. I think – I think that that could be the catalyst. Now you go to Germany. You got to play that Seattle team. It's going to be a test. I think that uh, I think that when you saw Tom Brady talk about this win at the podium, the joy in his face, he's like Tony Stark. Like he needs a fresh thing in the middle of his mm -hmm. chest. And like you can only put wins in there. And like to see him put a win in there, no matter by what means, sort of scares me that like he might end up at his full form come playoff time. And I'd love to see it. Uh, I'd love for that to be the middle finger. He flips to everyone who wrote him off again, but uh, it's a step in the right direction. I'll be a small one, but it's a win for Tampa Bay to get back in that column. I think it's, uh, I mean, you could, you could tell in that press conference, it like just seemed like the weight of the world was lifted off his shoulders, just that they finally snapped that. And obviously for off the field and on the field, the last month or so for him probably had to be very, very difficult, very, very stressful. And the fact that they were both going out at the same time, I'm sure just made, you know, doubled everything up. Obviously he looked like a guy who was like, Oh my God, thank God we got it. Now the Buccaneers are still a flawed team. They still need to get healthy. 
Um, the, the offensive line needs to get better, but man, like if this is a, I don't care how ugly it was. It was a tough win at home against a, a talented team. Uh, maybe not one for playing very well, but a talented team. And if, if they could use that, if Tom can use that as a catalyst to just kind of get this team pulling back in the right direction, you're in a really bad division that you could probably be 500 and win it. Uh, just get healthy and play your best football come playoff time. And you never know what's going to happen if Tom Brady's your quarterback. Yeah. Um, you've 45 heard years times. old throwing 58 times. That's wild. <laughs> uh, I see your 58 and I raise you another 10. Patrick Mahomes threw <laughs> it 68 times in Kansas City's 20 to 17 overtime win over Tennessee. These two teams always play each other tight. I think Tennessee sort of has Kansas City's card. KC survives it and comes out on the right side of this one. Um, but they completely abandon the run here, too. I'm not sure that that worries me because Andy Reid is a play caller. It's my benefit of the doubt until yeah. further notice. Um, I think they get back to the run here in weeks to come, but they, they just kind of jumped off of it and let Mahomes air the thing out. Third most passing attempts in NFL history in a single game, 68 times uh, Pat Mahomes through the ball. Uh, the Titans are a very, very well-coached team, and I think Mike Vrabel, I know he's starting to get credit as one of the better coaches in the NFL. He does so much with – really not much in the offensive cupboard to be able to keep mm-hmm. uh, there's that cupboard word again to keep Kansas city that to, to have a chance in the fourth quarter to beat Kansas city with Malik Willis completing five passes on the night. Good on them. Obviously it helps Derek Henry's figuring things out, but like, like you said with Kansas city, Patrick Mahomes 60 through 68 times tonight. Andy Reed just was calling the plays, calling the type of offense that he knew he had to for them to win. I don't think that like we're not going to be seeing them do that all the time. They have been able to run the football a little bit this year. I just think on this given night, that's kind of what the the recipe called for it was, and it worked out for him. Uh, also, I don't know if you saw there were a couple clips of Matt Nagy on the sideline talking to talking to Mahomes. He's a it looked like way. looked looked like Nagy's uh, dipped into the Kansas City barbecue quite a bit since he's moved back down. Oh yeah, well, you're going to take pot shots here on the pod. Yeah, wow. I, 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 I don't like to do that for many people, but for him, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I hate I don't like that guy for Happy Gilmore. Anything. Anything. Uh, one last game to get here in Week Nine, and it was Baltimore New Orleans on Monday night. Um, Baltimore, I mean, Baltimore could conceivably be, they're heading into their bye. They could conceivably be undefeated. There are three losses this season. They led by double digits in all three of those games. Two of the three leads were in the fourth quarter double digit leads that they blew. So it's a good football team. It has its holes. But to me, like I walked away from this game with a clearer thought about New Orleans than I did about Baltimore. And that's the fact that I don't know why Andy Dalton's still the starting quarterback. Like, it makes no sense why James is healthy, right? Yeah, but I don't think James is that big of a step up from Andy Dalton. But at the same time, like, let's see if he is. We, yeah, know, like, we, know, we know what, what Andy, Andy Dalton, Dalton is. is. He's nothing. You know? um, let's see some mixture of Taysom Hill and uh, James Winston. I feel like there's more going on behind the scenes there than we've been privy to. And uh, because there's not such a, a big difference between the two guys, we're not questioning why we're not seeing him. But mm-hmm. uh, similar to, let's say, uh, Carolina or let's say uh, Tennessee with uh, Ryan Tannehill being hurt and Malik Willis getting some looks like, let, let's see it. You know, yeah. what's, what's the difference between player A and player B let's find out. And I'm yeah. not sure that, uh, that 
New Orleans is allowing us to find out. But Baltimore wins at 27-13 in what was another impressive performance by Lamar in the absence of a lot of weapons on that offense. Mark Andrews out, Gus Bus out. Uh, you're without Rashad Bateman for the rest of the season. So we'll see if they can win despite the attrition that's been dealt to them. But 5-3 uh, and three heading to the bye uh, in every game, leading in every game. We'll see what Baltimore is because they're – they're gonna be a tough they're, out they're, for anybody. They're a tough out. They're very much a live chance to uh, say, "Hey, AFC runs to the bank uh, if they win out here." Yeah, uh, I was very impressed with them, and I, I honestly, now that the the Bears have changed their offense to kind of you know steal some stuff from there, I started watching more and more Baltimore to try and get some looks at them too, just as you know, seeing other wrinkles that they might be looking at or might you know see what they're doing. And Lamar, I think this year especially, has done a very good job of what we've started crediting Justin Fields for doing too of while he's running the ball a lot. I think he's gotten a lot better at not taking the very big hits and figuring out ways to get out of bounds early slide early. And I think the, the way he's running the football has become a little bit more sustainable and that's going to lead to him being healthy in the playoffs. And if he's healthy in the playoffs, they're able to do, you know, what they want to on offensively and not have to be limited. I think the Ravens can play with and beat anybody at any location. All right, let's get to your locks of the week. As we said, Heater, don't look now. Uh, I am five and four, following I believe four consecutive wins. Matt is six and three. I believe he is three and one over that same stretch. But uh, mm-hmm. the boys are out here picking winners. Without further ado, last week uh, I gave you Ravens Monday night covering three. It was one and a half at kick. You're welcome. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they cover both of those numbers there in the win. Matt, your win was what? I had the Bears Way. Dolphins over 40, whatever, and a half, 48 okay. and a half, I think it was. Almost yep. hit by okay, halftime. Yep. It was never, never in doubt. Um, thank you, Justin Fields and Tua. Uh, I'm going this week, and I hate it. I hate it. I absolutely loathe it. I hate that I'm betting on this team, but I'm going to take the Raiders laying six at home mm-hmm. against the Colts because the Colts are in shambles. They're going to start Sam Ellinger. He's terrible. They Their offense is absolutely brutal, and Jeff Saturday's the head coach and yeah, an offensive quality there. control assistant is the new offensive coordinator. Um, that can't be much buy-in in that locker room. And credit to the Raiders, I guess. They're 2-1 and one at home. They've played a lot better at home this year. <laughs> they put they put up 30-plus points in two of the three home games, and the one they blew was the 23 nothing lead against the Cardinals, so they played a very good half in that one. I think you'll see a better Raiders team at home and the Colts yeah. are just, they're just Lot, lots of moving. There's, there's too much the turmoil in there. I think regardless of what that number was on the Raiders or what it lands yeah. at, you gotta be on the Raiders Plus, this weekend. I, I actually think you fired a head coach at the locker room kind of like too. I don't, I, I think they liked mm. Frank Reich. I think he mm-hmm. was a little bit of a player's coach and whether or not that made him a very good coach. I think you have a locker room that's a little bit, probably upset that they lost a coach that they liked and who was apparently fired over the phone is now coming out today. Fantastic. Um, That's cool. Just a dumpster fire in Indianapolis. Uh, I don't love any of these look ahead lines. I'll see where we're at on Sunday. I'm sure I'll I'll, uh, feel a little bit more warm and fuzzy about a couple numbers. But with that being said, take what we know. I know that the Kansas City offense is better than it was a week ago. I know that they're going to want to prove that. I believe in Patrick Mahomes wholeheartedly. I'm splitting that game in half. Uh, Kansas City and, uh, excuse me, Kansas City and Jacksonville. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Jacksonville's defense is their strength, but you don't scare me, especially in KC, awful win opportunity to just yeah. sort of exhale uh, Kansas City wanting to prove that they're a better offense than the 20 points that they put on the board uh, in that win over Tennessee. I'm taking Kansas City over team total 29. I think KC scores well into the 30s in this game. I like that. I like it. Let's go with another um, Moose and Runes parlay. Let's do it, Matt. A couple other topics to get to here. Uh, the Houston Astros are your World Series champs. Congratulations to Dusty Baker. I, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how much uh, time and effort that requires. What I'm looking at is some breaking news on the golf front here that Tiger oh. Woods is excited to announce that he'll be in the field for this year's Hero World Challenge. A oh. uh, big welcome to Kevin Kisner, Tommy Fleetwood for joining us as well. We'll see you all at Albany. So Tiger will be playing in his tournament. He'll be playing in the PNC, uh, the father-son. I believe that's the PNC. Um, that tournament's fun, yeah. So much fun. Charlie looks like a grown man, so he might carry the team this he year. He does. He like they had that video of Tiger caddying for him. He looks like, like he grew like a foot from last and year. And he's when swinging the, the club. He's swinging the club like like a fully grown tiger at this point. Yeah. I'm not saying like swing speed, but like the mechanics of it all. Yes. Uh, he looks like a quick teach, and he might be. He might, you know, just might like be a thing. Yeah, he might be, let's say, twenty years from now, chasing Jack's record, unfinished business by dad, like. 10 green that would jackets. be, that would be epic. Who knows? Um, we'll see how it all plays out. Not too much pressure to put on the shoulders of the young man. We're also going to see Tiger uh, in the match part 511. I don't know which match yeah, it whichever is. Whichever one it is. Uh, Tiger and JT, Spieth and Rory, I believe, is the match. So we're going to get yeah. a lot of Tiger here over the next two, three months. I'm very excited. My favorite. I love getting a lot of Tiger. And I it can just, never, it's Tiger on my it, screen playing golf. I can't be upset about that. It's indicative that, like, he didn't lay down the sword and say, all right, this is who I am. This is what I am. This is how my leg will operate. I think that, um, you know, going away, focusing on the health, um, maybe we do see a form of Tiger Woods this season that's a little bit more durable than the one last season. Last season was just like the, all right, getting out there as a win. But we know Tiger. He's setting goals beyond that for himself. So I'm very excited about what these next few months and next season holds for Tiger Woods. Yeah, I just, you know, hope he keeps getting, you don't usually get healthier as you get older, but the farther away he gets from that car accident, the more mm-hmm. if that leg gets rehabbed. I would, you know, hope to see we see him get a little bit more healthy, a little more sturdy on that leg. And while it'll never be 100%, just a little bit more comfortable with, with what he's got. And I, I think we'll see that. And I think the fact that he's playing in, you know, these events kind of shows that he is. Matt, you got anything else? What, what am I missing? We do have a quick mailbag here. Idiot. Um, it, we got a big UFC weekend. Uh, yep. UFC 281. Ooh, before you go, in, go ahead. If you really want to set the stage here, uh, mm. why don't you colleague, just set the stage? No, no, no. My colleague and friend Luke Thomas sat down with Israel Adesanya at length. It wasn't. Oh, you know what? I, I was scrolling Twitter earlier. I didn't have time to sit down and watch the whole thing. Yeah, but they I did, did like see that you tweeted about that. 40, yeah. They did like 45 minutes. And if you want the link, I tweeted it out. You could also find it at Morning Combat, which is our uh, our combat sports arm at CBS Sports. Luke Thomas sits down with Izzy and like. For my money, the best interview anyone's ever done with Adesanya. He asked him about the fight. He asked him about, you know, what draw, like just a really, really good in-depth interview if you want to get to know Izzy a little bit better. Okay. I very much am intrigued by that because he does seem like a, a fun personality to get to know. Uh, but we, it looks like we have a pretty good card this weekend. I pulled it up. You got Poirier Chandler going, uh, Esparza mm-hmm. Zhang. Could like, be that fireworks. seems like a pretty good women's fight. Like this seems like a very solid fun ufc card i think we've we're always uh we always like dabbling into the the big ufc cards so uh give us a little bit of a maybe maybe some betting picks what do you think we might should we we should be looking at here 
Yeah, um, taking a look, I guess, at the numbers attached to these, Adesanya is going to be your decided favorite here against against the guy in Pereira who beat him as a kickboxer. So these two, Pereira, Pereira. um, that's Izzy at minus one sixty five seems like a absolute steal to me. You're at minus one sixty five. Where I was on Caesars. No, USC's website right now has okay. a position as minus 165. I don't know who they get the numbers. Up, okay, because I, I opened up FanDuel. At? FanDuel's usually, I like the, the, the interface on FanDuel, I like. I just uh-huh. pulled that up for the looks, and they have it minus 210. So if you can find them at minus 165. Yeah, minus two minus 210 seems a little bit more realistic, and maybe that's okay. where the numbers are at right now, and UFC just hasn't updated their website. I doubt it's linked directly to like Got live it. odds. Yeah. So uh, looking at them as of whenever this was updated, minus 165, probably closer to a minus 210, probably closer to like a minus 300 favorite once the money starts flowing in closer to uh, that bell ringing. But Pereira, he's very multiple. He's got great jujitsu, great kickboxing. But I think, like, I want to say they met eight years ago, nine years ago, whatever it was, as kickboxers. And Izzy's skill set has grown so much since then. Not sure Pereira's has. So I like Izzy. I like the favorite. Um, it would be a hell of an upset if Pereira can pull it off. But Izzy's undefeated as a middleweight. He's got that one loss when he went up to uh, light heavy to fight. Um, uh, Blahovich. I just think that until he loses, he's got to be the pick. Um, as you go down the card, uh, I'm not seeing odds next to Weili Zhang and Carla Esparza. Uh, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, like, I think your best odds is going to be for that one to go the distance because I don't think it goes the distance. Um, mm-hmm. I like Chandler with those explosive hands at plus 150. Um, if you're looking for a little value, uh, Poirier selling the hot sauce. I uh, haven't heard as much about Dustin Poirier, the fighter, as of late. Um, so give me Chandler in that one. A uh, couple legends further down the board, Frankie Edgar fighting Chris Gutierrez. Edgar's been in it forever. Uh, he's an underdog there. Uh, Dan Hangman Hooker, always fl- fun to watch fight. Um, very long. He's the favorite there at minus 155. So like, if you want me to stack up um, the way I see the main card, I'd say you go Hooker, Edgar, Chandler, uh, Zhang, and Adesanya. Those would be my picks on the main card. I like it. Might have to give that a Moose and Runes UFC. Just, just money line, sprinkle parlay. Sprinkle. Um, one last quick UFC question. We didn't quite get to it last time out. Sean O'Malley fought, uh, was a couple weeks ago against mm-hmm. Peter Yan and you know, won 16 0. When do you think is the next time we might see him? And will that be in a title fight anytime soon? So I think that because of the ending there, it being a uh, sort of a. Uh, contested split split decision decision. right yeah Yeah. like uh, you could have seen that one going either way i've seen breakdowns that make great cases for both fighters i have no problem with it we've seen the ufc do this before like where it could have been a draw or gone the other way they give it to the young upstart because Mm -hmm. you know we got to keep this we got to keep this brand rolling downhill now do you want to take that brand and put it in front of aljamain sterling who just ate um uh, TJ Dillashaw for lunch and TJ mm-hmm. Dillashaw obviously had the shoulder injury, but Aljo looked so big in there. I'm not sure you want to give O'Malley Aljo in six months. I think maybe you put one more fight in front of, um, uh, in front of O'Malley as the number one contender. You build him as the number one contender a little bit further uh, rather than throwing him to the wolves there in Aljo because Aljo is almost graded out of the uh, uh, the division. He was talking before this last fight how hard it is for him to suck down to that weight right now. So he might go up in weight. You might have a, a vacant belt 
And you might have O'Malley versus Jan again for that belt. Um, after O'Malley gets one more fight, maybe Jan wins another fight. You pair them back up for a, for a vacant belt. A lot of movement can happen there in that division. But as long as Sean O'Malley keeps passing every test that he is uh, confronted with, we're going to see Sean O'Malley fighting for a belt in the next year. I do think that. Love that. I'm very excited to see that because he seems like the the next big brand in the UFC. Say, say what you want about that last fight. Like he stood in there as the I believe he was the 13th or, or eighth contender uh, at when that bell rang against the number one contender in Piotr Jan, a guy who has worn the belt before and stood there and went blow for blow for with him. He played great defensive jujitsu with Jan, who's a better wrestler. Um he, he passed so many tests. Like, almost if he would have lost, it would have been a different narrative, and people would have said, oh, O'Malley loses here, but he looked so good. He fought mm-hmm. Piotr Jan, but he gets this split decision that's questionable to some, and people are saying, oh, it was a crappy split decision. He didn't deserve that. Well, it's the same fight. It's just the way you're framing yeah. it. And I think that no matter what that decision was, you have to frame it in the fact that Sean O'Malley is the real freaking deal, and he passed every test you could have asked him against Piotr Jan in that fight at 280. I love it. I love it. I love the back. I love because I, I think you've t- said it before. You've been saying it for years how Sean O'Malley is kind of the next big thing, the next big brand in this division in the UFC. And the, the more he keeps passing those tests, the, the better for the UFC, the better the product's going to be. I'm all and the in. better for and the better for the pod. Uh, this has been U- good point. This has been UFC 274. This has been Moose and Ruins uh, episode 274 of the pod. Thank you for getting into that. Who was that in the mailbag? You didn't, I don't know uh, that's, uh, the UFC. The UFC questions are just a recurring mailbag from my brother Mike. Whenever there's a oh, big UFC Mike. event, it's a Mike's pretty much just said whenever there's a big UFC event, ask Joe for a little preview betting preview. Shout out to brother Mike uh, for getting the mix here on Moose and Moons 274. As always, hit us up on Twitter. Hit our lines if you are on the inside of the Moose and Runes army. But for now, he is Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. It's always bear down. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.